Hi everyone, it's Joakim Akren, your host of the Elite Game Developers Podcast. A podcast about the entrepreneurs and investors who are building the games companies of the future. Today I'm talking with Ilya Eremev, who is the co-founder and managing partner at Games Fund. Ilya has a really interesting story about how he started as a 3D artist in gaming and how he's gone through a career path that led him to now run an early stage venture capital fund. Uh, In this episode, we also talk about VC funding for the gaming ecosystem in Eastern Europe specifically, and how that region is developing and what Ilya sees as the drivers for success. But before we go to this episode, Here's a few words from our sponsors. At Pollen VC, we provide mobile app and game developers revolving lines of credit, enabling you to borrow up to four times your monthly revenues with simple and transparent pricing. As part of our commitment to the ecosystem, we also provide a suite of free tools and resources to improve financial literacy, helping studios make the most informed decisions when it comes to finance. And that's why we've been named best service provider in this year's Pocket Gamer Mobile Game Awards. Visit pollen.vc to learn more. Are you a mobile game developer who's looking to try something new on the ad creative side? My top pick would be influencer-generated content, IGC, by Opera Event. Influencers and actors will make specific content from your games and Opera Event will deliver you high-quality video ads that highlight the best parts of your game. Go to getigc.com to see some examples. That's getigc.com All right, we are live. Hi Ilya, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm a big fan of the podcast, so I'm happy to be there. Hey, thanks. That's really great to hear. It's always fun to to hear people who are who have been listening and then finally getting them on the show to share yeah. their stories yeah so the, like i think we could like kick off the discussion here by having you sort of like go through like a three minute story of how how you got into the game industry and to eventually start your own gaming fund yeah so i think that the story is quite interesting because i started my game development career as a 3d artist i was studying art in school in high school and eventually I dropped out from my university where I'd been studying computer science. And I moved to Moscow and started my first, first 3D artist position in a game development studio. So for a few years, I've been advanced, advancing um, towards this path. And I even created a few, uh, few droids for a Star Wars game. But eventually I realized that I'm more interested in game design and production space. So I moved to another studio and started a creative uh, director position and spent three years there. And then I was working as the the creative producer at Game Insight. And I've been moving more and more towards uh, managing and observing multi-studios instead of focusing on a single product. And I think that that's what eventually uh, brought me to the venture sphere when you're not focusing on a single company, on a single product or single task. But instead, you have kind of a helicopter view over 
over the industry and over the, some sector. And I think that's what's driving me the most. Nice. Like you are now as a partner in the Games Fund. Can you yeah. introduce the Games Fund to the audience? So the Games Fund, TGF, it's an early stage gaming-focused VC fund focused mostly on Eastern European companies. And actually, that's the first uh, neutral VC fund in Eastern Europe. So we invest early and we mostly focused on uh, mobile free-to-play game developers. And previously, I was working for MGVC, which was the first in institutional investor in the gaming sphere in the region. But MGVC provides... Uh, strategic money and that's that was a good idea like a few years ago but right now competition among strategic investors is super fierce and there there are no kind of neutral vc funds providing venture money so we decided that we have great comp competence and that that's a great place and time to start the first vc fund here and it turns out it, it was a great idea you had this pretty interesting career path into venture capital can you explain that in more detail I, I think there's there's a lot of people in the audience here who would definitely be interested in hearing what that path can look like so yeah i, I think that's as i mentioned it's kind of an unusual path to get into vc because i think the most of the you know venture capital guys they got there through investment banking experience or through entrepreneurship experience and i never had an entrepreneurship experience before and uh, so i started as a 3d artist and i think that's a good good part because I learned game development you know from the bottom so I tried different positions I, I spent a few years actually creating games at an employee I understand art I understand the technical side of the game creation and the, especially art creation I understand like art direction and stuff and then I had experience of managing over 20 people in a, in a studio the creative uh, producer and uh, kind of regional manager because uh, I, was, I was working for like international indie gaming company and I was responsible for Stampede branch. So that gave me on one hand positive experience. So uh, managing over 20 people, it's a it's tough task and it learn, especially when you're 20 plus something. But at the other hand, that gave me an understanding that I don't want to you know, start my own company, at least for now. And I was forced to look for something else. And eventually I've got offered a position of creative producer at Game Insight, uh, which was quite unique at this time, because instead of focusing on a single, on a single studio and a single product, I, I was expected to make three studios with like five products simultaneously. And one of them being Guns of Boom, three first-person PvP shooter for mobile, other games being in a complete different space. They have been hidden object games like Mirrors of Albion and Mystery Manor, which is, you know, games created for completely different audience with completely different art approach and tech stack and completely different uh, mentality of uh, development teams. And, you know, being, being able to communicate with so many different people and different work styles it kind of gave me a, gave me a you know broad perspective and stereo vision of how gaming companies could work function and um, like what works for uh, for one company could not work for other company and that you have to have a personal contact and uh, you know, provide personal touch for every founder and what I lacked at this position that's uh, the business part because at gaming side it was impossible to get into the business side 
of the business. So people there have been expected to, you know, stay in their slot and uh, keep doing what they're doing the best. But I was always interested in, in business. And I even started the, um, the community focused on business side of the games development. And it, it gathered over 2,000 people interested in the same topic. So I got all the CEOs, all the top managers, all the founders in the CS region, like Eastern European game development companies. And we've been talking about business already. But at my work, I've been you know, doing creative stuff and not a business. So I started to educate myself and I started learning um, like VC topics. I've been studying venture deals book. And I, I'm not that, you know, spiritual uh, person, but I, I think sometimes universe just, you know, give you give you presence if you, if you really want something. So I've been studying uh, that venture deals book and I've got an offer from MGVC when they've been just, you know, starting that investment arm for mail.ru. And I was offered the position of executive producer, which is kind of a, kind of a venture partner, but you don't have partners in corporate fund. So it's something like that, but you know, with more focus on the product side. So I've been responsible for scouting for gaming companies, negotiations, product and uh, company strategy assessment. And after the deal signing, I helped them at the, as an external producer. So I help them with the product, with the, with the team composition, like motivation, scheme, assemblance as and stuff. So yeah, that's, uh, that, was, that was a path to investment uh, in, in general. And the cool thing about it, that every time that I changed position, I jumped in the completely unsupported space when I had no experience and I had no competence to, to do the job. But mm-hmm. for some reason, you know, my mentors, my employ- employers, like, believed in me, believed in my potential and gave me a chance and tried my best to, you know, to, to, to swim and not to drown. And, you know, I think I succeed so far. Yeah. I, I want to double click on that a bit. Did, did you know where you wanted to sort of like be going when you were still at the, the studio level? Or did you, did you just think that if you, you know, you work hard and smart, that good things will happen? Like, what was the the mindset that you? I think I, I couldn't foresee foresee like that I will end up in venture capital when I was just starting as a 3D artist, because I had not enough experience. I, I didn't know even about venture capital, so that even exists. I was pretty sure about my next steps. So at a creative producer position in gaming side. I was pretty much sure that I want to be uh, in a business field. I want to be in investment. I had my role models. And when I was working for MGVC, I didn't think about my next step for quite some time. But, you know, gathering experience, making mistakes, and uh, like eventually meeting some restraints and that glass ceiling, I understood that, you know, my next step would be, you know, obviously starting my own fund to, to be completely you know, on my own and responsible for my own decisions. So I don't kind of foresee my future like 10 years in advance, but I definitely see the future for a few years. Mm. Yeah, that's really cool. And a very awesome story. Like you definitely have gone through like, let's see what happens in 10 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, like, so, so, cause your main area of expertise has been focusing on sort of like the gaming business ecosystem in Eastern Europe. Can you talk about how you approached investing when you were at MRGV and how the reason has developed and 
has become more eligible for this kind of VC backing. What do mm-hmm. you think? So MGVC was kind of a game changer for the local industry back in the time. So before MGVC, there are no institutional investors uh, like systematically investing in video game startups. So founders have been forced to raise money from some strange investors like factory owners, real estate developers, uh, basically people who you know, have a clue about gaming business. And uh, it didn't end well for the most of them. So those people have been, you know, getting 80 or even 100% of the company and hire founders as, as, uh, as managers. And mm. they, they practically made those companies uninvestable for anyone else. And the other bad thing that people, people with money who just wanted to invest in, in gaming company and want to, you know, create games, they've been, you know, chasing their childhood dream about create some, some dream game. And they did not, you know, mean the company to financially succeed at some point. And that, that was, that was really bad. And MG, MRGV and uh, as its in, uh, reincarnation, MGVC was, was a really game changer. So we started investing in video game startups and uh, the concept was uh, pretty straightforward. We invested in early, super early stage companies, and uh, we required uh, the companies to sign the option agreement to get a control stake in the company to eventually acquire the company when the company will show signs of success. That was a good idea for the corporation that, that made um, total sense for IU. And because, you know, gaming companies didn't have much of the choice uh, at this time, they happily got the offer. And we invested in over 35 companies in three years. And, you know, many, many companies, you know, shown tremendous success, such as Dellscraft, for instance, that uh, we invested in them. And, uh, you know, in just one year, they started making over $5 million in a month. And uh, the, the whole investment process was super successful. I think that we've been the most successful investment fund in the area. But eventually, you know, other companies joined the race, Belka Games, Wargaming, and they all they all kind of burst strategic goals, but on a with a different angle. But the the MGVC offer, you know, stopped being that attractive. And we started thinking about how can we attract founders who don't want to uh, give away control stake in their company in any terms, who want to you know stay independent and decide you know well, which faction they should join later on. And we realized that in the Western market, there are venture, uh, venture companies, venture funds focused on video games. And in our region, there are no venture deals. So we offered that for the corporation and uh, we didn't meet enough understanding for their strategy. So we decided to, to leave the mothership and uh, together with some partners to start. The mm-hmm. idea was super risky because there were a few attempts for TGF to raise gaming funds by different local you know, celebrities like in, in the gaming space, like game development veterans, but they all failed. And there was kind of a skepsis for even possibility to raise uh, a VC fund focused on video games in this region. But it turned out that we underestimated the interest for gaming industry at this particular time, because kind of the market changed, uh, the time changed and games become sexy for the general audience. So initially we went targeting the $30 million fund and we expect to raise money in one year. And we raised all the money in just 
few months, like in two months. And mm. we asked that it would make sense to, you know, raise the size, the size of the fund up to $50 million. We launched the fund in April and we already almost got all the money. So it was quite hard to convince first investors. But the good thing that our first investors were super reputable ones. For instance, we have uh, Platinum founders, Avi and Gabi Shalil. So, you know, having them on board convinced other players to invest in the fund because if they believe in us, maybe that makes sense. Maybe we have something. So, mm-hmm. uh, and over time it became, you know, more and more easier to attract new, new investors. And we, we kind of have a super clear idea why we believe that the region needs uh, neutral VC money and why it's, it's time and the place to invest in Eastern European companies and what's the difference between strategic money and VC money. Our sales pitch is, you know, it's super clear. It's easy to sell it to the founders and to the investors because we really understand what we're doing. Before we go and dive deeper into the Games Fund, I wanted to still talk a bit about the region and mm-hmm. get your sort of like take on like, like when you've seen these companies that become hugely successful, what are usually the characteristics there that why did they become successful? I think you know, there's something common for all the companies uh, in the region. So we kind of skipped the PC era, and that's why you don't uh, you don't see often you know huge AAA or even AA titles in in Steam top charts. But at some point, uh, the whole industry turned to free to play model and and social games and standalone web games, and we had huge titles and super successful games in free-to-play. You know, there is no kind of backlash against uh, free-to-play model among developers and even among players. Like, take a look at the, at the one of the hugest success titles for my games, that's Warface. It's hugely popular in the region, and it's not that popular uh, in, in, in the other world because it's, it's, kind of, it's straightforward pay-to-win. So the region is okay with pay-to-win concept and in with with the free to play concept in general so i think that's because you know many many free to play game development companies spread out and uh, started developing uh, the games and the other thing that we have really good education in tech and art so the production quality here is, uh, is super high and on the other hand the Russia, Ukraine, Belarus is not that rich countries, and the, the you know cost of, of living there is comparably lower than in the United States and in Western Europe. So the cost of production here could be like three to five times lower than in, in these developing countries, and that gives us a unique situation when you can get super high quality content relatively cheap, and mm-hmm. um, that that gives you you know more attempts to success. The entry level, entry barrier here is lower than in in Western countries. And maybe that's just a, you know, low or high numbers that when you have more attempts, there is a bigger chance to to find a success. Mm. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Uh, With the Games Fund, I presume you guys operate at the pre-seed, but like, is that true? Like your sort of like sweet spot and what is a typical funding round look like where you are taking part? Yeah. yeah, we invest super early, maybe even on the angel stage, like when there could be even no company yet. 
So our usual check size is from several hundred thousand dollars up to $2 million. And if the round size is larger than that, we're happy to collaborate with other investors. And that's uh, our other the difference from strategic players that we don't you know, try not to compete, but instead collaborate with other investors. And I think that we'll see in the near future some, some great investment deals. We invest super early and maybe even on a backstage. We always need the idea from the founders. We don't invest in just the workforce or so founders first. That that's that's definitely that's you know the first thing to take a look on. The second thing is a team. We have to have a great team, great core team, but we also require the idea. So because we think that Sometimes even great founders, they don't, they don't move in, in the right direction. And the idea is kind of a signal for us that they understand the market, the right ambition level, and they understand the business side. Because uh, when you like talking in abstract, like I, I want to create great games, that's cool. But if you have some real product in mind and you have a budget for that and you have a, and you have a kind of roadmap for that, that's uh, how you can measure how, how business-oriented the founder is. Because when you didn't work with them, it's kind of still unclear uh, what their real skill, and it's always a risk. And that's the way how to, how to, you know, how, how to understand if we are thinking in, in the same direction, our, is our, our, our mindset aligned. Yeah, that's so valuable to, to get to know the founders uh, when you're sort of talking to them. After the, the idea sounds good and everybody in the team, their experience, their knowledge, where they're coming from makes sense. And then you still want to see, are they actually up for it? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Really uh, you know, uh, there, there is a funny thing. When we were talking to some founders, they looked great. They had success on their previous titles, but sometimes they, they want to create Maybe they got tired out from of you know commercial games, and they want to create something. We had one case when a founder of the previously working as a top manager of a really great company, and he was a you know top talent, and he just wanted to create a game about space. He he don't think about you know there is a market for that game. He just he just wanted to create that game, and that could be a cool you know lifestyle business. But that's not an investable business, and we would make a mistake if we would invest in them before knowing the the idea what what they want to create, because mm. uh, we we have to have the same idea of the business that we want that we will create together. That's why mm. it, it's important for us to have to have the idea from the founders. Mm. Yeah, totally agree there. Then thinking about the the pre-seed stage or the angel stage where. Some VCs are operating in gaming. You, we mm-hmm. have like Play Ventures, CISO, V Games, and other folks as well. Like, how do you see the Games Fund getting into those those deals that can get pretty competitive as well? Yeah, I think it's it's pretty competitive, but in comparison with the Series A funds. It's not that competitive from, from my perspective, especially when we, you know, locally focused. And mm-hmm. uh, our advantage here is that we are deeply rooted in the in the local community, 
and uh, we kind of expose persons here. So we often give talks, we participate in events and conferences, and we provide like feedback and mentorship, mentorship stations. And as I mentioned, I'm the founder and the owner of the largest Russian-speaking game developers community out there. So we're trying to create TGF, a default option for anyone trying to raise money for the gaming startup. And we know about emerging studio like months, even years before they got uh, attention from outside investors. Maybe that changed over time, but right now we have that first mover advantage and uh, we already have six deals signed, you know, simultaneously with the fundraising. And uh, in, in a month or two, we'll stop fundraising and we'll be 100% focused on uh, scouting for new companies. And we got a huge flow of uh, applications. We got over 400 applications since April. So yeah. there is, you know, a lot of space for early stage investors. And as I mentioned, we don't, we don't want to compete with other with other funds, with Play, with CISU. We want to collaborate. So we better share opportunities with them. We believe uh, in, in communication and collaboration. And I think founders would benefit from that if they would have, like, not just, just a single investor, like Play or TGF, but better Play and TGF. That, that would make total sense. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. Thinking about the, the value add component like you already talked about it a bit like how you help companies yeah. but like what is the area that you've seen most impactful and helpful for the founders when you are involved yeah so there are two parts two two main parts the aggression team of tgf consists of uh, two persons that's uh, maria kachmola ex-investment director of mgvc and myself she has uh, you know enormous experience in venture capital and finance and uh, fin financial modeling and tax and uh, incorporate stuff and i have experience in product so uh, we're going to help uh, companies to incorporate their company to establish a right structure to, to get the right contracts with their employees so they the ip will be secured we have good connections with administrators banks lawyers so we are happy to share all those resources to our portfolio companies and from my side always participate on a design level as i have expertise um, an experience in game design, analytics, high-level marketing, and monetization. So often I join the design sessions and, and they like brainstorms and I provide feedback on, on design documentation, but we never insist on any particular decisions. So all the decisions are completely up to founders. And that's also one of the pillars um, of the fund conception. But as we had, you know, enormous experience, disciplinary experience, and we would help with art, with art direction, with technical art side. We have a lot of contacts in developer space. So if uh, there is some need for founders to, to find outsource or find uh, specific technical specialists to solve some, you know, high level task or, or, or problem. So we would help them with that. And at some, at some point, it's, it's kind of difficult to... Start, stuff, start something if you don't have expertise in that field. For instance, if founders have no experience in uh, analytics or marketing, it's, it's hard to find the right person because you cannot interview uh, them and really understand their potential if you don't have that expertise by yourself. And in some, in some cases, we kind of offer that help. So asked my friends from, uh, from marketing or from analytics space to help our portfolio companies, founders, 
to interview candidates for marketing director or analytics director position. And that would not be possible that easily without our participation. And the third thing, I think that's helped to our portfolio companies to raise, raise a new round and kind of back the company and the it to, to be attractive for, for larger investors. I just start thinking about like you guys definitely are the best networked VC in Eastern Europe. And thinking about just hiring is like, you know, you have so much to, to offer to help in that region. Yeah. And uh, we, we, we happy to be the gateway for other investors to, to get to that region. So mm. if thinking about uh, like, exploring this region will ping us and uh, we will be happy to share deals uh, like exchange experience provide feedback do introductions stuff like that because we think that this region is kind of isolated and mm-hmm. it, it doesn't have to be like that i think that uh, our mission is to integrate the region into the global gaming economy global gaming ecosystem so we are like a gateway or like a bridge between local developers and, and, and the global capital Hmm. there's an off schedule question here that I I sort of like wanted to ask I I think one curious thing is that because a lot of founders actually ask like how much percentage do VCs want do you do you have sort of like a, a target that you go for and do you have sort of like if you're participating with other investors hey this is like this is what kind of ownership we we want because there's a math that Mm -hmm. makes the the fund structure work can you elaborate on that a bit sure i think i will answer this question from a you know philosophic perspective so yeah we we definitely want founders to be to keep control in the company that's that's a mandatory thing i think that if founders have less than control in an early stage the company become ininvestable and we'll you know should our own leg if we would take too much equity in the first or second round. So I think the good proportion if is if the company after the second round, founders still have the control stake in the company. And it's uh, important to us to have some significant stake to, 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 to be uh, motivated and involved in the process. And if this shot is a success, we would like to benefit from that. So roughly it, it's, it's Super case by case, there is so many factors affecting the valuation, but like the, the stretch is from 10% up to 35. But I think 35, it's uh, it's absolute maximum. That that's sane to give away to investors in the first round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing like that. It's always good to hear the ballpark that you're playing in. Yeah, yeah. going more into talking about your contributions and work in the game industry like last year you put out this perfect pitch deck template that you shared and actually i've been sharing it as well through my newsletter and website and it's just there's sure thing you you started it so thank you and i just have to say it's like thousands of people have already like clicked those links that i've shared yes i think that was that came from you know personal pain because when i was getting like super assorted pitches and they they all lacked some important information 
And I realized that there would be just simpler to give founders like information and how to, how to answer my questions, how to get my attention and how to communicate, you know, more, more effectively. And so if we, if we need some particular information to analyze, why don't ask founders to provide the exact information in the exact form that is digestible for us? And uh, so I, I have a you know, short pitch, concentrated information, like formatted well. And so I even created uh, my own fictional company and my own fictional game and I got a concept and art for that. And I was always reading about games, about, you know, fishing with, with a Golf Clash metagame, something like that. That was my uh, dream game. If, uh, if it's some, in some parallel universe, I've been a, a founder, I've been creating a game like that. So I create a pitch for my own company in a form that I want to see it as an investor. And it, 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 had, a, it had enormous feedback. And I think that it benefited a lot to the, to the community. From one hand, I didn't, I didn't benefit personally from that, but I have a really good feeling that, the, that my work, that my piece of work can help people. And I've seen, you know, getting pitches with that framework from all around the world. And I, I see that people really, you know, appreciate it, uh, the piece of work. And I, I kind of feel that I did something good. And the next steps being sharing budget for game development company and PL for game development company. Because again, I was asking for, for models like that. And people, because, you know, they, they're making games. They're not pitching for investors for uh, their regular job. So why don't make them their the life uh, a bit easier and provide them um, with, a, with a framework so they just don't, you know, uh, spend too much effort and concentrate on creating games instead of, you know, designing the spreadsheet that would impress me. So I just, you know, lift off some unnecessary work from, from, from founders and benefited myself by having all the information in a single form, which is easier to compare and analyze. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If, you, if you know, or any of the listeners know what we should create next, what's uh, what the next pain, I'll be happy to, to collaborate and, uh, and create something new. Nice. Yeah, I think like what we could do is ask the listeners to go to LinkedIn when when I sort of post this episode, you can find it under my posts and please do like highlight ideas for Ilya. <laughs> yeah, sure. Cool. Like, how do you think like fundraising could be done in a better way? Uh, the, one of the crucial things that founders still lacking from time to time is a request. It's a call to action because mm. uh, it's the usual case that founders kind of presenting presenting the company and they didn't ask for anything and even worse sometimes they tell us that they, we don't want anything so i, I really don't like that and uh, yeah or at least I, I want to you know understand that in, in advance that that just an intro so i could manage my schedule in the right way but it's it's a super important thing to understand who who you pitching and what you want from that person potentially you have to have some options you have to offer something and ask for something and that would lead to a productive conversation and if if you don't want anything from me should i you know think for is for for myself about what what can i offer 
I have, I have expertise and I have capital and I have, I can help to, you know, to bring your ideas uh, to reality, but you, you, you have to have ideas. And uh, that's, I think that that's one of the most, you know, the most significant problems from, from what I see in the pitches. Yeah, that's really good. You've been looking at gaming companies for a while now as, as an investor. How has your company evaluation changed in the last three years? I think that I was, uh, I started paying more attention on the market on one side. And I, I started believing in more disruptive fields. So previously I was, I was like, okay, um, like CoinMaster, it's a good game. It's a large success. Maybe you should create something like that. And if we just create a game, we would, we would make some money. And we tried a few times and it didn't work out. Even if we had a great, a great team, a good game that making this amount of money, but it's not even close to the to the second from the coin master, not not uh, <laughs> like, like leave alone coin master itself. And uh, so I started thinking about how we can create something new that is based on something familiar. There is, I think, that the game should be uh, and the company's concept should be something surprisingly new but still approachable. So there should be a familiar foundation, but a fresh touch, something like Project Makeover, something like Match Royale. The games are familiar, but they had, you know, something illusionally new and fresh, and that's what makes them, you know, that successful and give them real chances to to beat Plerix. Even even if Plerix been you know perceived as unbeatable king. And yeah. I, I and I'm starting to think. That you know, countries like that, some some founders who dare to disrupt the market and they have a solid concept, that's what I should be focused on. Mm. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Let's talk a bit about the perspective that you have, like from from like your career again, going into thinking about why. Why do you think investing was the right thing for you to do? I think I came here naturally, right? I, I kind of adjusted my career path step by step, step by step. And I think that the concept of investing in promising gaming companies works best for me because through all my my whole career, people give been giving me chances. And even if I don't didn't have you know resources and capability at this time, but you know, people who hired me seen something in me and they, they gave me, they gave me chances. And I think that by giving chances to the founders that I believe in, I kind of paint back. So I think that that's naturally my talent to, to be able to locate promising gaming companies and have access to the capital. And I, I can, you know, benefit the local community by, you know, by finding promising companies. And that's what I will do the best. Not not working as a video artist, not uh, being a founder, but exactly what I do now. Yeah, that's awesome. Really good. Uh, before we go to the final questions, you have a topic in mind that you don't think that gets covered enough in the gaming media and in discussions 
usual. Yeah, we touched this topic uh, a bit through our discussion, and I think that's uh, competition versus cooperation among venture funds. So sometimes funds perceive themselves as competitors, and I think that no, that's change. And I think that you know venture capitalists should adapt the concept of collaboration in the first place, and because it would you know it would benefit founders, it would benefit the market itself, and. Maybe we should put away our ego and, you know, think about the global good. And I think that, you know, communication and some shared, you know, safe places for venture capitalists to talk, communicate without bragging, without, you know, measuring their successes and just changing expertise and finding investment and like opportunities and the opportunities to to do something together, I think that would be a great thing for the market. Yeah, definitely. Hey, some final questions for you, Ilya. What is your favorite book and why? I was going to say Venture Deals because it's literally changed my life, but I will skip that because it's a too obvious answer. So my answer is Deep Survival by Lawrence Gonzalez. And uh, that's, um, that's a book that practically has nothing to do with business or gaming industry or, or venture capital. This, this book is about, you know, surviving in harsh conditions, like how to survive the catastrophe, how to survive the plane crash, how to survive when you lose in the, lost in the woods. And the game kind of exploring the phenomenon of why some people survive and some people don't. And I think that adopting that mindset, uh, like promoting and exploring this book, like helped me in my career and in my life in general. So the, the concept is that if you if you find yourself in a harsh condition, in a tough situation, you don't have to complain. Complain. You don't have to, you know, get upset. You just have to analyze the situation and do your best. Mm-hmm. And you know, no reflection, just uh, doing your best. That that's that's my mindset, and I got it from this book. That's nice. Really good. Really good one. Do you have a a story that shaped you in how you approach your work today. I had I had one personal story about about honesty and about uh, dedication to the business. At some point in my career, one of my employees failed really bad, and they asked me to to cover them, and and I did that, and it forced me to to lie to my superior, and eventually events of that of my. My deeds, my actions brought a disaster on the company. It was manageable, but I should I should not cover those employees. I should bring that to the to the upper management, and we should openly discuss that. So that gave me an idea that I learned the lesson from that. So it's uh, it's better to talk problems through. It's uh, never worse if you hide something, and um, eventually all the hidden things will become un- uncovered, and uh, it will back and bite you. So I, I'm trying to be, you know, as much as much honest as I can, and you know, try to try to talk openly and straightforward. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good, good story. Hey, final question for you, Ilya. If there are entrepreneurs out there who want to get in contact with you, what is the best way to do that? I'm pretty active uh, at Facebook. I don't use uh, Twitter that much, but maybe I should change that. So Facebook, LinkedIn, personal email, it's also good. But you can find me and uh, TGF contact on uh, gamesfund.vc. 
and there is a there is a apply form, and all the applications being reviewed by by us personally. Hey Ilya, this was so much fun and really really great to hear your story and how you approach gaming. And I wish you and the team the best of luck uh, in investing. Let's hope we see a lot of big companies. <laughs> Likewise, and hope we see each other in person someday. Yes, big hopes yeah. for that. <laughs> yeah, All pleasure. Right. Thanks, bye. Take care, man. Bye-bye. If you like our content, please hit follow or subscribe to our show on your favorite podcasting app so that you'll get notified when next week's episode is available. And in the meantime, please go and check out our website at EliteGameDevelopers.com and sign up for our weekly newsletter on what's happening in gaming startups. See you next time, guys. Bye-bye.